0: This is Paul Clement. I am counsel for one set of the appellees in the Schwarzenegger against Plata case. Specifically, I represent the appellees in the Coleman case. This case before the Supreme Court today is one that has its roots in the way that California has run its criminal system and its penal system for a number of years. The criminal system in California is uh, typic- typified by a number of very tough on crime laws, including the three strikes laws. California also has one of the toughest, least forgiving policies on probation and parole, so that even a technical violation of parole or probation will essentially automatically uh, wind up with the parole violator or the probation violator back in uh, state custody. As a result of those tough on crime policies, uh, California has a uh, large number of prisoners, a larger number of prisoners than a a state would have, uh, even despite the fact that California is much larger than any other state. Indeed, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that there are people in the California prison, especially probation and parole violators, who simply wouldn't be in prison in other states. Now all of that would not create a problem if at the same time that California had been passing tough on crime laws, California had also been building additional prison and other penal facilities in order to accommodate. A large number of prisoners but that simply hasn't happened and that's not a new phenomenon this is a phenomenon that goes back over two decades and that really brings us to the Coleman case because the Coleman case was brought 20 years ago and 20 years ago a case was brought on behalf of a class of mentally ill inmates in the California penal system and their claim was that the conditions of treatment for mental health were so deficient in the California system that it violated the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution and its prohibition on cruel and unusual punishment. The Coleman class won that case 15 years ago. There was a trial and judgment was entered in favor of the class of prisoners and against the state, finding a constitutional violation. And basically for the next decade, there were a series of orders entered by the district court in Coleman trying to remedy that constitutional violation. The appendix to the Coleman uh, appelles brief has a, has a list of 78 different orders that were entered over the ensuing 15 years to try to remedy the underlying Eighth Amendment violation. Essentially, everything was tried to solve the problem and nothing ended up working, although occasionally there were plans that showed uh, initial signs of some success. Those plans ended up being just plans, and they really didn't change the reality on the ground, which was continuing constitutional violations. And these are not just technical constitutional violations. The courts in this case have found that there has been unnecessary loss of life in the California prisons at the rate of something like one a week. So this is a very serious problem, and it manifests itself in the most serious way imaginable. So for a decade, there are efforts to solve this problem. For a decade, the solutions do not work. And the culprit in the district court's mind is essentially overcrowding. The district court recognizes that there are levels of overcrowding in the California prison system that are unprecedented. California is a complete outlier in this respect, and the prisons are so overcrowded that efforts to address the mental health problem that you might think would be uh, directly successful, like just having more medical technicians or a new record-keeping system. Those attempted innovations fail because they essentially founder in the face of the broader structural problem, which is overcrowding. So after a decade of trial and error and failure to solve the problem through less drastic means, the district court takes a step that's allowed to it under the Prison Litigation Reform Act, and that is to convene a three-judge panel and attempt to have an order that puts limits on the crowding in the California prisons. The three-judge panel is convened, they have a trial, they hear from dozens of witnesses, and they make the determinations necessary to put an overall population cap on the California prison system. So after hearing the evidence, they decide that there's going to be a cap at 137.5% of the capacity of the prisons as estimated by the state itself. So when the state builds a prison, it has an idea of how many inmates can be housed in that prison. In California, the occupancy rates are essentially, in in some prisons, are, are, are nearly double what the state's original capacity estimates were. So this order essentially says that overall, the population in the prison system in California can be no more than 137.5% of the state's own estimate of the capacity of its prisons. It does that after hearing extensive evidence that essentially you cannot remedy mental health or physical health constitutional violations unless you get the overcrowding problem under control, and that 137.5% is a, is, is, is a fair estimate of what is necessary to get the crowding situation under control. Importantly, it's left up to the state as to whether or not uh, how they get to 137.5%. So the state at times likes to characterize this as an order that forces them to release tens of thousands of prisoners into the general population. but The mechanism of coming into compliance is left up to the state. If they can build new prisons in two years, that's one way they can essentially get additional capacity online and get to that 137.5% cap. If they have the money to send prisoners to other states or to private prisoners, they can do that as well. They also have the ability to reform their probation and parole laws, make them more like other states' probation and parole laws, and not have zero tolerance for technical parole violations. They can also address their good faith uh, credit system uh, in a way that will not get dangerous people back on the streets. But the details is left up are left open to the states now that is what that is the order that the state has appealed to the Supreme Court. It's important to recognize that in a lot of these cases, generally, the Supreme Court gets to decide which cases they want to take, and they will handpick a case because of a discrete legal issue. That's the way the Supreme Court usually takes cases. This case came to the Supreme Court because there's a direct appeal provision in the statute. So the Supreme Court essentially had no choice but to take this case. This case, in some ways, may frustrate the Supreme Court because it doesn't obviously turn on a discrete legal issue. Instead, the Supreme Court is reviewing the extensive findings of the three-judge trial court, and we certainly believe that they are, should properly be reviewing that record only for clear error. So they're in a review. The Supreme Court in this case is in the posture that is quite familiar to a typical appellate court, but is relatively unfamiliar to the Supreme Court itself. In considering these issues, I think the flexibility that the state has to get to 137.5% is important. It's also important to recognize that the alternative is, given that there is clearly an Eighth Amendment violation here, is the continuing supervision of the prison system in California by the federal courts. And the Prison Litigation Reform Act, which is the principal statute at issue in this case, was really primarily targeted at eliminating just that kind of judicial mismanagement of the prison system. The last thing I'll stress that's important about this case and worth watching for in the oral argument is that the state is in a difficult position. Because the governor, who is the principal appellant in this case, uh, and the state's principal client in this case, is already on record as saying that the overcrowding is an emergency level and, and the California prisons currently operate under the governor's own emergency proclamation that the overcrowding problem is this serious. So this is not a case where the state can take issue with the basic problem of overcrowding, nor should they properly be uh, in a position to take issue with the fact that there has been the adjudicated constitutional violations going back 15 years that have not been remedied by other uh, lesser restrictive judicial orders. So the real question here essentially becomes, this is surely a, a a prison cap, a population cap like this, is a situation, is a remedy for a very rare case. But this seems like the rare case where the state concedes overcrowdings at emergency levels, the Eighth Amendment violation has persisted for over a decade, and other efforts to solve the problem have failed.